Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on 3P Champions. I'm Rob Stoller. And I'm Greg Stir. All right. Greg's in Seattle. I'm in Philadelphia. And I don't know where you all are, but we're glad you're here today. Christine Cox is someone I've known personally for a pretty long time now. Time goes fast, but I met Christine when she was dancing with the Pennsylvania Ballet, and I was the videographer for the ballet, and, and I know how hard dancers work. And then she and I got to know each other a little bit outside the ballet. I did some video stuff with her family. And now Christine is running her own modern ballet company called Ballet X. She's a tireless worker. She's dedicated to her craft and her people. And uh, I was happy to bring her to 3P Champs and have Greg meet her. Yeah, Rob, I liked Christine a lot. I really enjoyed our conversation, learning about her journey to where she is now with Ballet X. You know, you can't listen to her and not get a little excited. You can feel her passion. Her energy. She knows what her purpose is and she's living it. And it's really interesting to learn about Ballet X because it's kind of a different variation of ballet. But uh, what a wonderful woman. I'm glad you brought her to the show. She was a joy to listen to and learn about. And I'm glad we talked to Christine. Yeah, I feel the same way. So without our talking further, let's join the conversation with Christine Cox. Hey, Christine, you know, it's interesting in my personal life. Uh, I've always been an athlete, but like you probably for ballet for you, basketball was that for me as a little kid. You know, I had a lot of issues with family and stuff. That was my sanctuary where, you know, it was just fun. I got to play. But then my luck would have it. Somebody who was pretty special took an interest into me, probably because I was just a little scrappy guy and yeah. said some positive things to me. Maybe like that sport even more. And it became my passion because, first of all, I was just getting some positive reinforcement. It's OK to have fun. And someone took an interest. But. In life now, as, as I've gone, to, you know, I'm 50 now, the things I've been successful at, only the things I've been passionate about. As you know, running your own business or dealing with family or friends or relationships or whatever, you're going to have some huge adversity, challenges you don't expect, and you can just give up any time. But if you really care for something, you're really passionate about it, it's a purpose, then you'll fight through that. Yeah. And everybody has to face that in their life. So this time in our life with this virus, with all this craziness, people are questioning what's important to me again. People need to know what their passion is. I, I watched your TED Talk. I was fascinated by it. There's no way you can be where you're at in your life without that passion and purpose. And I think maybe I've just kind of enveloped this really over the last couple of years. But my whole life, I've been aimlessly passionate and purpose. But that principal part kind of solidified. So we're talking to people like you and ourselves. Like, what's important? Yeah, what is important? I don't think I'll ever stop trying to make my company and, and the experiences that people have with my company exceptional, like that they like leave with something that is memorable, something that connects them. And, it, and I've thought about what can dance do for, an, for the dancer and for the viewer. And it really can, you know, open up this gateway of memories for people that are not literal, but their feelings. So you're watching this duet and, you know, maybe you've never even seen a dance before, but suddenly you're like reminded of maybe it's your father in a relationship. You Like these movements that people are doing in front of each other, tied with the music, tied with the lighting, can kind of open up this treasure chest. Yeah. How'd you come to believe you could be a dancer, a professional dancer? There was something in me. My parents weren't like, you need to work hard. Like they, they worked hard. My father worked really hard. My mother was a stay at home. My dad was a psychiatrist. You know, it was a complicated upbringing. 
obviously if your father is a psychiatrist, you know, you've got a lot of complications there. And he thinks he's like God, you know, acts like God. They were behind me 150%, never questioning. So it was really, there was something about this opportunity to make my decisions at a young age that like forced me to decide if I really wanted to do it, to do it. For instance, mom, I don't want to go to ballet class today. Okay. Then, you know, let's tell the teacher that you, you aren't feeling inspired to go. She wouldn't let me lie about it. She's Mm. like, no, let's just tell them the truth. And I was like, ah, and then something about my competitive side, like I was really like a tomboy, but I was doing this very like feminine thing, ballet. Had I been an athlete, I would have just been like, let's go. Like it's so competitive. You are an athlete. I am. Yeah, for sure. And it's weird. You're like, you know, oh, you were, you did that so nice. You're so good, you know, and then you're like, I'm going to do it better. So I think it was a lot of looking up to great, inspiring dancers. I was at a phenomenal school watching these dancers and wanting to be as good as them. I was always second best. I was never the most talented. Was I one of the hardest working? Yes. And I don't, it didn't even feel like I worked hard. Like I definitely look back and I was like, I blew my twenties. Like I could have been so much higher. I was partying. I was lost. You know, I was taking it all for granted. And then when I was like 32, 33, you know, it was like wake up call. And then I, you know, I, I don't think I talked about the Ted talk, but I like, I got sober and like, that was the hardest thing I ever did. It's like, cause I was a, I was like a social girl, you know, Rob, I had parties at my parents' house. It was like, I bet you were a lot of fun. I was, <laughs> I mean, I, the best I bet party. you were passionate about fun as you became a dance. Oh my God. I was like, I got a DJ. I bought thousands of dollars of liquor. We like, put the chandelier in the closet, rolled up the carpet. It was insane. I'd have these big New Year's Eve parties in West Philly. But when you know, when you have perspective, looking back, all of that was about getting to where I am today. Like all that ability to rally people in a party, rally people in a room, connect. I'd be at the gym trying to stay fit, talking to people because I felt this deep urge to connect with people. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then literally, literally that person becomes a board member in a future company that I'm starting. Like, I didn't know what all the, these tentacles I felt. Relationships. Yeah. These relationships. I felt this innate need to connect to people. I, I now have perspective on it, but it was dance teachers. You know, the first Big no was when I was 17 and I was trying to get into the Pennsylvania Ballet and I wanted to be there so bad. It was like everything, my dream. They're not even letting me audition for another company because the associate director's like, you're in, we love you, you're great. But the director I knew didn't really like me. And instead of protecting myself, I just let my all my cards go in that one table, that one deck. And they sat down with me in May, which is very late to get a job and said, Oh, you know, you're really talented, but we're not going to take you into the company. And like the, the, the floor, you know, dropped out from under me. And then my teacher who was a, my modern dance teacher and my English teacher said, sat with me as I bawled and bawled and bawled. And she said, you know, this, this will pass. And there's a reason behind this and just keep pushing for your dreams. And then I did, I just, those, and those, tentacles of connection, those relationships were what got me to my first job a couple of weeks later that gave me a hundred dollars a week. That was like, win, you know, <laughs> and, and I gave up a four year scholarship to temple 
that I got from my school. They would give my school, I went to performing arts school. So I don't want it to sound like I was some brainiac. I was not, I was dyslexic. I was able to like win people over as a dyslexic. Dyslexics are incredible people, 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 you know what I mean? Because you have to, you need to compensate. Yeah, you got to compensate. So it was never really one, unfortunately never one person. I wish, but now there's a few people I just need to lean on and I don't have any family anymore. So it's just a strange, you know, there's no one I'm calling. So that time when you, when you found out your dream is just, you because I'm having these images in my head of myself, other people I know, you're, you're crushed. Did you go down for a while or was it just a couple of weeks? It wasn't long. It was, just, I was person. like, I've got to get a job. Like, and, and here's what I said to myself at 17. You didn't have any alternative. You had Yeah. Jump. Well, the alternative was make this decision to go to college. Okay. And it was like, do I give up this, um, you know, this four-year scholarship? I knew I, I was only going to give myself one year. I was not, it was like, if I'm not meant to do this, then I'm not meant to do this. Mm. And so I was like, you're not going to sit and drag this out and be that person waiting to get the job over, you know, cause I had watched dancers after graduating high school and, and ballet is a young, it used to be, you would do it out of high school in ballet. Now it's like kids are going to college and, and FYI, my friend, got the job with the ballet, the Pennsylvania ballet. And I didn't. So it's like watching her get it. There was, yeah, I could have gone South quickly, you know, but I think pride has a lot to do with, I'm a proud person and I want people to be proud of me. And yeah, I think that has a lot with what drives me. You know, I want people to feel like, yeah, that, that work was worth it. We invested in you and, and, and you made something of it. I don't know. Well, certainly that teacher was she was Johnny on the spot for you and she probably kept you from spiraling down it, that's it's meant to happen and yeah. and that's something we talk about a lot because virtually everybody we've had on here has had adversity and some of it significant adversity and through a combination of fortitude yeah. some people have more than others some people have higher survival skills than others some people have higher standards than others and requirements and some of them virtually all of them had somebody to say no you're not done i see this in you you need to keep working at it and you'll be successful yeah yeah coach brown told me this and he told me this recently he says he wrote it to me he says hey greg (laughs) adversity visits everybody but it lives with the weak Mm. so it's going to visit you it can stay with you you can kick its ass to the curb and move on and most people wallow in that adversity now, maybe it's somebody that pulled you through that adversity, but there's some kind of mental, like you said, being proud or willpower that got you through that adversity and it made you stronger. Yeah. So it didn't live with you. It stayed with you and visited just like everybody else. Some people it destroys and some people it makes them stronger. And obviously for you, it, you chose the latter. Yeah. Now you're the one providing guidance and inspiration. When Christine Cox says you have what it takes and I'm going to help you, I believe in you. I mean, I think belief is the strongest force one can obtain and the most powerful motivational force is belief. You know, you have kids, Greg has kids, I have kids. We see them succeed, we see them fail. But if you go up there believing, that's the battle. 
you're in a position now to provide that kind of belief. One of the common threads among the three P champions of which you are now one is sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience, particularly with young people. And I know that outreach and education and youth are paramount in your overall scheme of where dance meets life. How do you get young people to embrace ballet? And I know Ballet X is kind of a modern ballet company, but how do you make it exciting and inviting for young people? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm asking myself that each and every day. How do I create an environment for them that's inspiring? I think with Ballet X, there's a sense of opportunity here. There's a lot of dancers that I'm hearing, and it's so heartwarming that this is like their dream company. They want to be here. So I think what's inspiring now is having a place that has a push for excellence in ballet that's so, so hard. It's clear. It's a language we share. And then we bring in all the new work. So these makers come in and they have this group of dancers that are all so different, but they all know the same way to accent work. And the new work makes it fresh and current and provocative and sensitive and thoughtful. And, and then creates an avenue for people to engage in it, experience it, and feel their own. So there's not a lot of contemporary ballet companies in our country. My next step is how to push to world-class. What does world-class look like? How, how does the world see what's going on? It's happening, right? Where choreographers from all over the world are like, I want to come and make work here, or I want to come and dance with you. So that's one step, but then taking the company out. Christine, into- at what age do you start getting your dancers and start working with them when you bring them into your company? Great question. I mean, I'm not opposed to someone being 18, 19 years old, but the it, they're starting to come in after college, you know, 21, 20, just because this generation is going to college for dance, which was not what was going on in my generation. In my generation, it was like, you got to get a job at 18. You know, and that happens a bit in basketball now, more so, right? That who led that, Bryant, Colby Bryant, or is it? Are mostly people going to college and then play? Well, it's it's, it's again, it's like any other. But it's about money. One thing I wonder about is, I think every human being wants to be great at what they do, and I think we all want to be inspired. But we both know that everybody can do it. What that is, but and I found that you know, particularly when I couldn't feel progress happening. Right. You know, there's lulls. And I, what, I had a 20 year career dancing. You know, there are lulls. You don't understand them, particularly in your 20s. But to get out of the lull, it took extreme effort. Mm. It took like, doing and I say this to the dancers, you, you got to do more than you think you can. So instead of just like doing what's handed to you, you've got to start to ask more of yourself to see the improvement because as athletes, you get so hot, your body is resonating so high. How do you get it to perform even higher at a level that it's like, you don't even need to think about it anymore. Right. It's like, it just happens when you go in. I mean, for a dancer, it's like, it looks like, Oh, that looks easy. But like to get into the form with what the foot's doing, with what the hand's doing, with what the eyebrows are saying. And, and then there's a hundred different things that they're thinking about to look easy, look easy. And so for me, I went to the gym like six days a week when it was a day off, I was still at the gym. I was making up routines. I was like, Ooh, I have to do this hard variation. It really requires my center. I would do stuff handing, you know, on handstands and I would develop my own 
physical workouts to coincide with what I needed to do at the studio. And it was a great release for me. So once I knew that I was getting a mental and physical release that I could actually control in, in the studio, you have no say. It's like, you got to do everything that everyone else is telling you and you've got to be motivated. You can't say anything, you know, but then you get to go to the gym and you're like, no, I want to do this. I'm going to work out on this. I don't know. I felt like it gave me some sense of control in, in what felt like. Do you still yourself, do you still have a passion for performing yourself? No. Is that, is that, where's the, where's the pinnacle of your career when you're a ballet professional? Is it like your peaks at 30? Is it like, you know, athletics? Is it more like you're done at this age, no matter what, just because your body starts to go that direction. If you have a healthy body and you are taking care, I think the pinnacle is like between 33 and it was for me. And maybe that's when I got sober and my body just was said, thank you. You know, it was like, it was clean. It was, there was nothing in the way of dancing. And I had this renewed commitment to dance because it was my lifeline at that point. So you, you keep saying you were sober. So were you an alcoholic? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't so, had a drink in 18 years, 2003. Wow. You know, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was, I mean, I didn't know. Well, how did you, how did you, how did you deal with it? How did you figure it out? How'd you get past it? It took years, even when I stripped away the, the crutch, which was the alcohol or whatever, I was still going back into these unhealthy relationships. And then it just took time. And then I, I found a partner and who just takes me for all the good and the plenty of the bad. And, and believe me, it's not, you know, we're saying where we are and this and that, but you know, yesterday was still, a there. Hot still there. I'm trying to take care of myself, but yeah, it's hard when so everyone's leaning on you. Everybody you interact with either wants to be like you, wants to be you, wants to be as good as you, wants to please you, and you kind of feel the same way about everybody else. You want to help them, you want to please them, you want to make them better. You're responsible for a lot of people's well-being, even though we're all responsible for our own well-being, but you're in that position. You're a leader, you're a teacher, you're a mentor, you know, you're everything we're talking about. And I know it's not an easy position to be in. Yeah, I think I would say yes, yes, and yes. I'm responsible for like 25 people's lives. I felt a deep responsibility to making sure that they didn't miss one paycheck. They missed one paycheck in March, sorry, April of 2022. They stayed on unemployment one week. And then it was like, we got the loan and we paid them through for as long as we could. We did all of our work from home. We started filming films in July. And I built an entire online platform where we could do films instead of in person. So we didn't shut down. And there was, everyone's a bit exhausted from that. Oddly, you think, oh, we would be inspired. We had someone who really was creative and how, and people were saying, you guys are killing it. You're killing it. Like everyone's talking about what X is doing. Alvin Ailey's talking about what X is doing. You know, I'm talking to the director. He's like, damn, what the hell? You guys are killing it in Philly. And somehow you come out of it and you're just like, you know, yeah. it was just, why do I feel like I'm dead? Like I'm, I'm going to die yesterday. I killed it. They killed me. This program, as much as anything, deals with coaching. Yeah, and yeah. coaching is teaching mentors, teachers, coaches, the, the greatest coaches we've seen are coaches that care about the entire person. So empathy is a big part of the equation in terms of teaching and coaching. I know that you're teaching your dancers 
a lot more than the moves. And you're regarding these dancers as much more than just units you can plug into their role. They're all people. And dancers are probably more complex than other people in general, because it's a difficult and emotional art form. Do you see yourself as a teacher, mentor, coach? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the, the deep debate in my head is how am I doing in those roles? And then I have to have empathy for myself to understand the environment right now mm. that, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I can't control no matter how many things I say, you can give them the tools or show them the path. And then it's really up to the athlete, the dancer to choose what path they want to go down. But I, I feel a, a deep responsibility. How can I be a person they remember that was someone that really believed mm. in that. One, I want it to be fulfilling. I want it to be a great experience for them, whether it's short or long. And now my approach is let's make sure our expectations are in the same area. They don't have to be totally matched, but this is where I'm headed with this company. You, you can jump on board. Let's go. I'm going to help you. But if you're not, then we, it's not a fail. I can't live in that. Like, why aren't you where I'm at? or expect you to be like at a certain point, I've got to learn how to let go and, and say, we had a great run. Let's move on. Let me do more research on, on getting closer to someone that's like-minded and, and interested in the same outcomes. And a lot of it's just based in work. You know, there's, I have folks that are talented, but like if they could just work, that talent would just grow exponentially. Cause in dance, like so much of it is hard work. Yes. And it often is the people are the most talented that don't even really stick in it. Yeah. It's been too easy for them. The yeah. hardest part now is generational. And it's like, yeah. your story is a lot like mine. And like Rob, so it's kind of, here's what you have. You have the gift of awareness because of all the stuff you went through and you've, un you understand yourself. So the greatest coaches can see themselves and the people and see what they can be because you can see yourself. When you, when you work with little kids and I know you've done some primary education, what's your approach to little kids? finding inspiration, finding, you know, passion. So it wouldn't be like, let's take your feet and wrench them out to the side. Right. <laughs> you know, what, what inspired me was finding my creativity. So like my teacher would have a drum and I was like, oh, I'm going to dance to her drum. And she'd be like, jump over as high as you can, like jump like you're, you know, this animal or that animal. And she really tapped into my creativity and that was made it fun. And so I think that's fun. forever. Yeah, it was fun. I knew, I knew Stern was going to jump in fun. on it. Fun. fun. Yes, I like that. It was so fun. I, and, and it was interesting to me, right? It was like, oh, you're, she's going to go in that shape. And then you've got to go in that shape. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm going to mirror her. I'm going to be the perfect mirror. I can yeah. do it. Now I can and, see it. I can see how that would be the most fun class they've ever had. Uh, I mean, I try to make my classes fun. When I was studying, we just studied. That's all we did. It was like, so when it came time to perform on stage, you know, you were ready to go. But now even in dance, it's like, we're, we're not even studying. We're getting ready for the show. Mm. So kids don't even know the fundamentals. Dancers are athletes. It's yeah. a different sport. Phenomenal athletes. But they are athletes. And that's why there are so many parallels between, you know, development, education, inspiration, enjoyment, longevity.
if you didn't get enormous gratification from dance as a as a little girl, as a teenager, as a young woman, as a grown woman, and now as a teacher, you wouldn't be doing it. Sure. I think in your case, in Greg's case, it's a little easier to coach and teach because you've got credibility. You've been through it. You've you've danced at the highest level. You've had the highest level teachers. You've suffered. You've triumphed. It's hard to knock anything you say because it's straight from your heart and your life. So I'm sure you're an amazing teacher and mentor and coach. You're training people. You're grooming people. And if they don't catch the fever that you caught, it's not going to happen. We have a guy, I don't, excuse me, Rob. We have a guy on this show, a three-peat champion that, Tim, uh, that Rob knows well named Tim Manson. Mm-hmm. Tim Manson is the best trainer I know in athletics. Mind, body, spirit. He could have been an Olympic athlete for track. He got injured. He trains all the NFL guys, NBA guys. His daughter is a phenomenal dancer. Now, this guy's a freaking athlete, okay? His daughter, right. his other daughter is going to be an Olympics probably as a runner. She's at Utah. And this gal is the same thing as a dancer. Her name's Tanil. She's 5'11", 150. She says she switched to musical theater in grade school. She's now mastering all dance disciplines, developing and honoring her vocals and acting at NYU Tisch Stage Theater and Film Arts. Mm-hmm. And I was asking him, what's the difference between a ballet dancer and these other disciplines? What, 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 what steers you down a different path of dance? Great question, too. Uh, ballet, I think for this generation, ballet could feel old and stuck and uh, not worldly, maybe. Ballet is super rigorous. There's an aesthetic that's like Olympian, like you need to look like a swimmer. You need to look like a runner, you know? So not that that's the aesthetic I'm interested in. I like all different bodies and all different sizes, but there's an athletic Olympian aesthetic. So there's a a really strict aesthetic that is changing. Like I'm not interested in that aesthetic. So I think that keeps people out of it. It's hard when you're 5'11", because in ballet, you're partnered a lot. So you've got to have a a company with a really, so when she goes up on point, she's not 5'11", she's 6'1", you know, or, you know, she's six feet and and then her arms go up and she's 6'3". So she's got to have a guy up here who can partner her. And I was a big girl. I mean, I was 5'5", five, five, but I was 135. I was muscular. I had broad shoulders, boobs, and hips, like God forbid. But I, I broke past the aesthetic, but I was an athlete. So I didn't like walk around with like everything yeah. hanging out. It was tight, you know? Yeah. I had to keep myself ready. Otherwise there was no job for me. I, I fortunately had a director who didn't say I had to be five, five and a hundred pounds. He was, they were cool with where I was at, but I really had to be ready to go because we didn't wear a lot. It was like little leotards and pink tights, you know, it was not a lot of clothing. Ballet seems like old fashioned form. What makes Ballet X, when you call yourselves a a modern ballet company, how, how did you modernize this old dance form? this old Russian dance form. It's really the choreographers that I choose. One, I have a diverse company. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't even like categorize us, right? Yeah. Everybody's different. Everyone's a different size. So I changed that model in terms of, I don't want everybody being white and five, five and 105 pounds. I like different colored dancers. I want different ethnicity. I want, I bring in choreographers who are different as well. So right now I have a, a Asian 
American choreographer in. Last week I had Jamar Roberts, who was the resident choreographer of Alvin Ailey. You know, then next week I'm having a superstar from New York City Ballet. So like the best of the best is coming. So I'm trying to select people who can bring in information that will hopefully inspire them, will hopefully uh, connect with one or two of them at different levels, right? And then when I bring in these makers and they make these dances on these dancers, we're looking to just elevate new stories through their bodies, through the music, through the performances that they're having. But I ultimately want them to have a great time for the two weeks that they're basically working with a new coach. It's really like I'm bringing in different coaches and they're making works that are from them. I, I think you could look at it like bringing in great, a set of like seven different great coaches, having them coach your team for two weeks, mm. you know, and the outcome is like the best game ever you hope. Yeah. Yeah. But, Are you guys doing any outreach to underserved communities? You trying to get, you know, young black kids interested in ballet? Because yeah. that, that interests me. Yeah. Not ballet. I mean, yeah. there are organizations doing that. Yeah. I'm trying to go back to what Greg was saying, fun. So I built a program about six years ago called Dance Exchange, and it's in yeah. four public schools. And we're working with their third and fourth grade students. And we're teaching them a pedagogy we trained in from New York City uh, called the National Dance Institute. So we didn't build this model. I didn't think we had the expertise. I didn't have the expertise. So we brought in their pedagogy, which is really learning movement through the alphabet. And A is like a 16 count phrase, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and step, and step, and step, step, step. A, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then they learn how to remember movement in a phrase. So that's A, then you've got B and they learn it so well that they can spell words. Okay, dad, D-A-D. Wow. And then they're like surprising okay. themselves to get like wow. peaceful thing together. So we work with the kids for 20 weeks, twice a week. So 40 sessions and it culminates in a performance. So we rent a theater because I want it to be memorable. I want it yeah. to be something that the families never expected. It's free for everybody. They come, the parents have flowers for the first time. They see their kids dancing. We also have a documentary that captures as many of the kids in it because I just want the kids to see themselves and I want the parents to see their kids. So we interview each year uh, like 10 kids with video footage of them in the classroom setting. And I also send in three teaching artists, two are dancers and one is a musician. So there's always a live music component. Mm. But from that, one of my teachers, who's a phenomenal, she started up a company called Chocolate Ballerina Company. And she is inspiring her community to believe in themselves as ballerinas and really just like change it. She's going to change the world. You know, she's wow. such a great teacher. She's been working in our program for years. And I'm so, so proud. She did her first um, Nutcracker with an all black cast. And wow. You know, I went to it. It was at the Mandel and just terrific. She's doing That's great fantastic. getting pressed all over the place. So when somebody asks her about her influences, it's you. Maybe. Maybe. She says that, but she's probably just being nice. No, she's not. You know, she's not. You're just being modest. Own it. You're helping people. 
what is your vision in five years? Where do you see this ballet X thing that you're, you're creating and building right now? That's exactly what my board is asking me. What's my vision? I really want to empower communities through dance and, and really just bring our, our work around the world and, and resonate with people in a way that just grounds them in their humanity. What you're doing is you're taking your inspirations, you've lived your whole life, and you want to give that to others, and you want to be the best in the world. Number one, before we, before we close, I couldn't be happier that we did this today. You are the person I always knew you were, and you're you know, the perfect girl for what we're trying to convey. For anybody listening to this, a young person who's looking at their future, what advice would you give them? Believe in the work, trust the process and the path, but stay committed. Even if it feels like the course isn't quite going, the path is there, even in the midst of the discomfort and the, it, it will show itself. You know, I could have quit at 20 and I, and I really was thinking about it and I didn't, something wouldn't let me and I wasn't totally fulfilled. And I just kept staying the course. And now I can tell a longer, fuller story because I didn't leave simply because I wasn't fulfilled that day. And, and here's another thing, you know, you know, life is uh, ebbs and flows and it's in, and I keep saying this, it's in that Valley where I carved out my life when I was down in the Valley, when I was like, do I go right or left? Where's the choices? And it's like, when you're presented the choices and you, you make the right choice and you continue on this path that gets you up in the morning and, and you find hope. That was my life. That that's what I've learned just to not give up. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you have to go, you know, be a square trying to fit into a circle. You can make it work, but I just keep working hard and push for what you believe in. And even what I say, and I'll say one more point to this, like I, I do work with a lot of students and, and they're like, they have big dreams of being in this company. And you may say, you know, it's net, you don't, you know, I know in my heart, it, it's not going to happen. I just can tell it's not the right fit, but I try to present hope to them in the sense that it may not perfectly work out the way you want it to be. You may not be the professional dancer, but it actually may be about the process of getting to that dream. You know, you're pushing for that dream and then it shifts, right? Like I wanted to get in that ballet company when I was 17 and I didn't. In, in retrospect, thank God I didn't get in. Those five years in Columbus, Ohio, dancing with that other smaller company was what I needed to get to where I am now. Yeah. Had I gotten that job, then this may never have been because what I what I found in that right curve in the fork in the road when someone might have given up and they only held on to that one spot as their dream. I was fluid. I was flexible. I was like, OK, I'm going to make this work. It's not what I wanted, but I'm going to keep going. It has enough of what I might need. Right. The director was from San Francisco Ballet. You know, it had enough of the components. Uh, I wasn't rigid. So maybe there's another piece of advice. Stay fluid, stay flexible, stay Be like water. Yeah. Flow. Like go with the flow sometimes. You don't have to like push back on everything. You know, I didn't like turn my finger up and I wasn't like, screw you. I wanted to say that, but I was like, all right, I'm gonna find my way here. So I, yeah, I'm like water. I'm always trying to find a my path. It may be about the process of learning to be a ballet dancer. You may be the director of a dance company. You may be the best coach. Like you just don't know. Yeah. My belief is you would have never quit and you could have never quit because you were built for what you're doing. This is all supposed to be happening for you because yeah. you were meant to be this way. I know your story. It's my story in a different way. And it inspires the hell out of me because I think of any kid that I see or 
enemy I had as a kid that wants to get in dance. I know if they came and worked in your studio or worked with your program, they would get way more than ballet out of it. And most of them would never make it to ballet. But like you said, they're just getting through that would teach them a process that would make them better at the next place. And that's what we see a lot of these 3 P champions. They have what it takes. If you were going to be a dancer, if you're going to be a basketball coach, if you're going to be an instructor, you would have the same presence, the same mindset, the way you approached it. And those people would have been better for it because you're a mentor and a teacher that lived it, learned it, and now are giving it back. And that's what every kid now is. That's why this was created, to create mentors so kids can have a vision and a dream. But we need more of you out there, right? That's the whole purpose of this whole show was that every girl should see you talk about your story about ballet. Because it's not a ballet story. It's a life story. Story. And I love it. I love everything about you. You're great. I love you. I respect you. you. I know you don't spend a lot of time patting yourself on the back, but I think you're having an enormous impact on people's lives. Thank you. Have a great one, guys. Hey, Thanks so much, help. darling. Greg, I'll talk to you later. Love you, Rob. Thanks, brother. Love you too, man. Bye, guys. This was great. Bye. Thanks again for joining us today, everyone. And we Sincerely hope you enjoyed meeting Christine as much as we enjoyed presenting her. She's a tireless worker, dedicated to dance, dedicated to Ballet X, and dedicated to the people she brings in to dance for Ballet X. And she's also an absolutely, fiercely dedicated mom. What a great conversation, Rob. What a wonderful woman. Uh, she's inspiring. You can feel her energy. I love her story. I love how she was very passionate as a youth. She kind of lost her way, she said, in the 20s, kind of experienced another part of life, returned to her passion, and now started this company, Ballet X, which is doing very well. She's very passionate about inclusivity, diversity, being very creative. I also like the part where she has some great mentors, and she's passed it along as they deal with public schools and help children. I think they're in 250 schools. I don't know a lot about ballet, but when she got into how people get involved and connected to the, the body and then the lighting and just a passion for the profession. She's one in a million. She is passionate. I also loved about how she has some things talking about how she trained and taught people taking her experience and, and just trusting the process. She was a big believer in relationships and connecting. What a wonderful person, very passionate, definitely a purpose, driven, competitive, and just an inspiring woman. I enjoyed it very much. Having been an athlete for a long time, and obviously we've worked with lots of athletes, Christine is an athlete. I mean, dancers work and work and work, and their job, as uh, different from athletes, is to make it look easy. When they're in a performance, their job is to make it look like it's a walk in the park. But I've spent hours filming rehearsals and the work process, and man, it is not easy at all. So. Thank you for joining us today. Come back again next time to see who we present next. Take care, everybody. Take care, Greg. Yeah, you too, Rob. We'll see you guys later. My man. All right.